Hello and talking. welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. Hold on, I'm starting over. <laughs> what did you say? No, we're not. Do it live. Oh, baby. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. Not sure if you caught the uh, shenanigans on the mic before uh, that introduction. Maybe Tanner cut it off, but uh, welcome to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us. I'm here with Mike, as always, and I'm also here with James Holt. So, James, welcome to the podcast. Can you just say hello to our uh, wonderful people? Hello. That's all we get from James, but more is coming. More is coming. So, yep. James is with us. James is a pastor at Grace. He serves uh, with Anclados in the Spanish ministry, but also in lots of other roles at Grace. Um, what we want to talk about on the podcast today is the heart of the pastor. Mike and I are going to Africa in two weeks and going to be doing some sessions about what uh, is kind of nearest and dearest to a pastor's heart. So we thought with James on the podcast today, it'd be good to just talk about this and uh, maybe especially point it towards James. So James, I'll just kick it to you first. Uh, when you think about kind of the heart of a pastor, what makes a pastor tick, what's making you along with Jose Antonio uh, tick and Uncladus, what are some of the first things that come to mind? Oh man, that's a great one. Uh, the heart of the pastor, uh, thinking about, uh, man, uh, uh, recognizing that we are loved by God and just seeing that pour out as a, as a love for our people. And it's a challenge. Like you, you think sometimes some, some people are easy to love and some people are harder to love. Um, but then that reflects back to, man, God loves me and I'm not always easy to love and I'm sometimes hard to love. Um, and, but, but Christ's love perfectly towards us then points us to be able to love him but also then to pour out uh, with having a love for his people because of his heart for us. I love it. I love it. Mike, uh, how, do, wh- wh- how do you assess what James just said? Well, <laughs> the always illustrious James Holt uh, said it really well. I, 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 I need to assess it? No, I, I, I love what he said. I love the place that he went first. Can I just rejoice in it? Yeah, just getting a grade. I know, really. Oh, come sorry, on. Sorry, no. James is insane. He does enough grades. Uh, yes, come on. Let the guy graduate first. You know, I was thinking right when you opened, James, you started with uh, the love of God. I was just talking with somebody recently. We were saying maybe somebody might disagree with this, but that outside of particularly pastors, for Christians in general, maybe the biggest challenge in the Christian life is to actually believe and live in light of that God is as, as good as he says he is. Uh, that he really loves us that much, that he's really not harboring any, you know, not even the faintest shred of bitterness, frustration towards us. He just he's poured out overwhelming love on us. And, and if that clicks, it almost feels like, uh, uh, I don't know what you guys think, but it almost feels like the rest is gravy. It just flows from there when you, when you have this real sense, God has already loved me in Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, I can take that to the bank every time. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, in Ephesians 1, where it talks about how God has lavished his grace upon us and that that lavishness this uh, overabundance and for every need and you know i think of habakkuk 2:14 that basically says that the 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 world the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of god as the waters cover the sea just in lavishness that the the glory of god will permeate i think that hits to the heart of a pastor the heart of a christian but then also the heart of a pastor because it's about god's glory it's about god's god's knowing that, that God has saved us and God has put us in any kind of, uh, I, I hate to say it, but position of influence where we can bring the word and, 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 and help people in any way. 
it's got to be focused on Christ and his glory and on wanting to please him. But, but the reason why is because the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the water covers the sea. And it's like, and, and they think of the, the lavishness and the permeating nature of the glory of God and the permeating nature of the love of God and the, the grace of God that then we serve out of the outflow or the overflow of that, that we don't drum up our own deal. We're not, we're not pulling people away after ourselves. We're not, we're not to be vicious wolves, you know, as, as Paul told the Ephesian elders in, in Acts 20. No, we're to be under shepherds. We're to be, as First Peter 5 talks about, like voluntarily, not under compulsion, and just, uh, you know, humbly and, and dependently, and, and, but, but glory-drenched. <laughs> It's like, you know, and, and not like we're walking around with a halo, but like we're like, we're aware of the glory of God. We're aware of the love of God and the grace of God. Therefore, we can actually do something of help to some, for someone else. That brought to mind John 13, 35, just thinking like, why, why would someone want to come to my church? Why would, why would someone want to be a part of, of this? And it's because all people will know you, that know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Like that, that love of God poured out, lavished on us, and His grace <coughs> then pours out one to another. Is that is that is the the, the beautiful smell of, of the church that then draws others to themselves and uh, others to, to God Himself, seeing that we are His disciples. That's the evidence of our yeah. our following Him. You know, God says that uh, that the Lord manifests the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place that we go and i always think of that in terms of evangelism and you know go out into the world and that that you know as as my words uh speaking as i speak the gospel that i live the gospel that there's this beauty there's this the glory that manifests god manifests the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere we go and we need to use our words but it's our life as well that works in conjunction with our words and doesn't pull the rug out from underneath our our witness, but I think that's true with the church as well, because you know, in First Peter five, when when Peter is exhorting, and I love this, the Holy Spirit has Peter exhort the elders in front of the whole church. This was written to the elect uh, in the church, right? And he says this: "I exhort the elders among you." So, hey, church, listen up! But elders, you're getting exhorted right now. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Paul and Peter saying, "This is for me too, right here." and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as partaker in the glory, there it is again, that's to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So all the sheep get to hear how their shepherds are to treat them and to act up accordingly. Uh, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. And then that's when he, he rolls to, if you're younger, be subject to your elders. Uh, but all of you, all of you, clothe yourself with humility toward each other because God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So, hey, everybody, church, elders, you know, shepherds, pastors, uh, all of you, be, be, be living in humility before God, under God. It's about God's glory, and we're gonna, it, it's going to be fully revealed. Anyway, it's just there's so much there, but it just it just demands a a, a, a dependence on God and a kind of a, a a governing of our of our of our sinful inclinations so that we don't do things to get things for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm so hopeful. 
Uh, I have another question for both of you. We'll start with maybe James, love to hear your, your answer, and then Mike, you as well. But I, I was thinking, I think one of the challenges about being a pastor is that your spiritual life and your vocational life are so enmeshed and intertwined. And there's blessings that come with that, but challenges as well. And I, I can say personally, I think this is probably true for a lot of pastors. I think one of the one of the big challenges becomes how do I how do I not let the pastoral identity, who I am as a pastor, become fronted in my conception of myself? You know, how do I hold on to the fact that no, I, I'm I'm a child of God first, uh, one who's been saved in Jesus. That's my main identity. Maybe there's even other identities in my life, husband, father that that precedes this role that I get to play in the church. How do you? How have you? Um, kept that pastoral identity from becoming too centered uh maybe start with mike and then we'll go to james okay so and by god's grace i've been in pastoral ministry since 1985 you can do the math but you know i began as a pastoral intern as the other pastors in the room have done and then um, the church said you know we want to make you a pastor and i didn't make myself a pastor that's that's one key thing there is that uh, God God appoints, you know, through the church, God appoints you to a task and a role, and uh, that's how it should be. Um, but I think through those years, I think one of the things I've, I've learned from a lot of other men, godly men that have mentored me, but also I've, I've inculcated it into my life, is you have to, what you just said, you have to remind yourself often. You have to remind yourself often, first I'm a child of God, then I'm a husband and a father and a pastor and a Christian, yeah, excuse me, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, I'm a Christian first, and a, a pastor, and a and a citizen, and a, a brother, and a uncle, and a you know all grandfather, and all these things, and so you have to remind yourself often. I think the biblical priority on who you are in Christ first. So remind yourself often, but then the next thing I'm going to say is going to sound like I just you know erased that. But remind yourself often, and then don't think about don't think about this idea often. Like don't stress out about. Oh no, my spiritual, my vocational, blah, blah, blah. Because I find that the guys that are like, everything is led with, oh, I'm a pastor, is because they think about that all the time. And so so it's like, you got to remind yourself often who you are and, and re- let yourself be humbled by everything in life. Let In God and His grace, we'll, we'll, we'll use all of life to humble you. Let God keep humbling you. Keep confessing your sins. Keep walking in repentance. Always know, first I'm a Christian, and then everything else, all the roles. There's the identity, and there's the roles, and the, and the, and the things that God has called me to do and, and enables me to do and empowers me to do. But then, remind yourself of that often, but then don't think about that all the time. Because what happens is we start thinking about our roles, and we raise them up on these pedestals. So I don't often think, I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, uh, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. Just do your role. Do what God calls you to do in the, in the, in the realms that God calls you to operate. Yeah, what do you think, James? Question, yeah. A good question for putting the roles behind and putting God at the forefront is just asking, who am I seeking to please in this? Um, because am I seeking to try and please the, the, the people at, at work, the people in the church? Um, and ultimately, that should never be the answer. I'm not trying to seek to please the people. I'm trying to seek to please God. And that, that applies in my home? Am I trying to seek to please God in my relationship with my wife? Am I trying to seek to please God and honor him in, in my counseling at the church? Am I trying to seek to please God? And that, that, that goes beyond pastors, but, but to our, our, our work and those who have other vocations that where, where you're working in the workplace, are you seeking to please God? And that transforms 
sometimes very menial tasks into something that is eternal. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing I was just thinking, I love how you just said that, James, that I think in my life right now, I get to the end of the day many days. Yesterday and the day before were really long days for all of us, but I had a lot of appointments with people, and it was one thing after another. They were all beautiful things. They were all great things, and but I was weary. You know, and I had to get two days in a row, just these long, long days, and then just literally go home and crawl into bed you know, within a half an hour of being home. But then I wake up, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, for this day, for this new day. But interestingly, and this is a great example of it, the last two days, I couldn't tell you all the things I did, and I did a lot of things. Discipleship and getting in the Word with people and mentoring some seminary students and and, uh, doing some counseling and doing some ministry planning, all these things, and meeting with men in the church. But usually I get to the end of the day, I don't rehearse all the things I did that were great or all the things I did that were good or all the things I did that I thought helped people. Don't. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. But I get to the end of the day, and I, you don't rest on your laurels. You just get to the end of the day and say, Lord, thank you for this day. And by your grace, I'll wake up tomorrow and do similar. You know, it's like, you just don't make, don't make, uh, Amy Carmichael said it this way once. Uh, one of my favorite writers, one, missionary to India, said, don't make much of w- what is appointed. If I make too much of what's appointed, I'm, I'm going to, you know, supersize it. So whatever God has granted you to do, don't make too much of it. That's helpful. I really like, I like what both you said a lot. I, uh, Mike, you talked about identity and roles, and um, I was just thinking of First Peter 4, starting in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's var- varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, we uh, you could almost ask the question, who's more important on a Sunday morning at church, the pastor who's up there preaching or the person who's serving in the nursery? And uh, we would all maybe be inclined to default towards, oh, it's the pa-, you know that's the spiritually significant thing happening. But actually, that's just a, that's a role that you're filling in the gifting that God's given you, and it's not your identity. You know, we're all mm-hmm. just there sharing in Christ together. And um, I don't, I, I do feel like it's easy to get that confused. But I appreciate what you guys said. Uh, yeah. Keeping those things straight, not overthinking it, and especially to your point, James. Just you just remember, I, I'm just trying to please uh, please the Lord here, not uh, the people around me. Mike, one more thing from you. Sure. You know, it's interesting that that idea of who's the most important person in the church there. And my answer would be the person in the pew, the person in the seat, and then the collective body. Because we've come together. We didn't forsake the assembling of the believer. We didn't, we didn't leave each other in the lurch and say, I don't need you. I don't want you. No, we were together to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So God is the most important. But in terms of if you think about like worth, we're here to serve the flock. We're going to serve the Lord by serving the flock. And, you know, Alex Montoya, uh, one of our preaching mentors for many of us, said, uh, it's one thing to love to preach. It's another to love those to whom you preach. And the idea of love for Christ begets love for the flock in a, in a believer's heart and life. And for a pastor, uh, we love the people because God first loved us. And uh, you then and then you do what Paul said. I will most willing willingly spend and be spent for your souls. That's awesome. One more question. I think with this, we'll probably close it, but I'll hear from one more time from you, Mike, and from James. But um, question is just this, you know, most of the people who are listening to this probably are not, and they're not pastors and uh, are people who are just trying to, to faithfully serve Christ. So you have a chance now. Uh, what would you want to share in terms of the pastor's heart to people who are listening who are not pastors? You know, this is a chance to just say, hey, this is something that I'd love for you to know about 
my heart as a pastor, how we're, how the pastors at Grace are thinking of you if you're at Grace. Mm-hmm. Just a final chance to say something kind of in that uh, direction, and then we'll mm-hmm. wrap this one up. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll do that one, and then we'll then we'll go to James. But I think I would say we are with you. Okay, um, Paul, when he was speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts twenty, basically said, um, you know, uh, he said, don't. He basically said, keep watch over yourself and all the flock, um, in, in among whom God, the the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you're part of the flock. We are part of the flock of God. We don't see ourselves as over you. We don't see ourselves as better. We don't see ourselves as like we're doing something for them and we're standing up on this tall platform. No, we are part of the flock. That's how Paul, he said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which, and that's really key, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You're in the flock. That, that I would just say, listeners, as, as, as your pastor, elder, um, I'm with you in the flock. We're, we're, we're journeying along together in Christ. And it just so happens at certain moments, one of us gets to get up and preach, others get to lead and, and, and help be helpful. And that's not to take away the role that God gives us. It's just to say that what God says about it is we're in the flock together. Yeah. I really don't have much to add to that. I think there's a, there's a good amen. Um, it's, it's a privilege to, to serve, but there's so much service that happens that, that comes mutually from the flock to those who are ministering to the flock. And, and there's this, this, this beautiful design that the Lord has given us in making us a part of a body um, because that, uh, that is, that's, what, that's the place where we are going to grow and it's a growth that comes from Christ. Um, and, and it's just to be, to be praying for people but then to be being prayed for by people, to be sharing the word with people but then to be have that same word shared back with us in, in encouragement. It's, it's, it's a privilege to be a part of the body. Amen. That's such a good place to close. I think it was Spurgeon who said in response to somebody asking him, what's the secret to the success of your ministry? Uh, my people pray for me. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. My people pray for me. That's what makes it all go. So, um, guys, thanks so much. James, thanks especially to you for, for joining us today. Very fun, and I uh, mm-hmm. hope that was an encouragement to you who are listening. We love you, and we pray for you during the week. Uh, we're thankful for you. Thanks for listening today. Uh, until next time, have a great day and week, and uh, God bless you.